0: On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts. Hey, they've always
1: got the good oil. Pity you can put a bet on at the finish of a race.
0: And Welcome to Monday's Experts, the chance to hear a little bit about the story behind the name and obviously with the country championships getting in full swing this coming weekend. And for the first time being in Tunkari, Foster, we thought what a great opportunity it was today to chat with Terry Evans. It's probably not the first time uh, or the last we're going to chat with Terry this week as we get to Tunkari on Thursday morning. But uh, a bit of an in-depth chat with Terry I thought would uh, go down a treat. And he joins me now on the phone from a beautiful part of the world. Good morning, Terry. Yeah, good morning, Dave. How are you? Yeah, very good, mate. Uh, That's good. Before we get into uh, the your life and your career, you are in a beautiful part of the world in Tongari and that Foster region. What is it so? What's it makes your particular area so special? And I've heard you guys refer to as at God's country. What's it about it, mate?
1: Oh, mate, it's it's so relaxed, and there's some great people up here, and we have a good social life. Um, probably too good sometimes, but uh, we live with that. Um, nice and relaxed. We're not far from the track where we live on 20 acres. Uh, we've got the beach two minutes from the training facilities at Tuncari, so it's, it's pretty good. We don't have to sort of say too much more.
0: Yeah, I guess. Uh, and what about, you know, away from obviously what happens there on the on the track and, and your training, but it, it must be... Very, very, it must make you very proud that we get an event like this in your part of the world on the weekend.
1: Oh, terrific, mate. It is, um, like, the volunteers that have got the track to this stage of its career have, have been outstanding. You know, they've all been under the banner of Gary McQuillan, the president, who never stops. Um, all the sponsors from day one, since they uh, were given the green light to go ahead and have racing here, they've supported the club from day one. And, uh, all our clients have supported it. We'll turn up every race meeting. We have a function, fundraisers, so all to assist the club because it's a great spot to be.
0: Terry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Let's go right back to the start. Where were you born, mate? Oh, can
1: we go back that far? <laughs> <laughs> born and bred in Balmain.
0: <laughs> and how, does, uh, how how is growing up in, in that part of the world? Were you, was horse racing in the family or was it uh, around somewhere?
1: Uh, my father, he was a drover. He came down from Queensland. He used to be a drover up in Queensland, drive cattle down through into Adelaide, and you know, they were sort of rough old days. And then he moved to Sydney and he actually um, was delivering bread by horse and cart with Sunshine Bakery through Glebe and Balmain Roselle in the early days. And we had the trotting stables across the road from us, which we got involved with um, in the early days, yep. not far from Harrell Park. And we used to get to. Uh, Tim Cars at Granville, Manangal, all over the place. So that was the original start. And as kids, we even used to get on the train and go from Central out to Douglas Park, which is the country at those years. And we used to go out there for weeks on end riding horses and stay at a friend's farm and all sorts of things. And then eventually got into uh, horses later on. Yeah.
0: What's it about the horse that you love
1: or, oh, or fell in love with it at, the, at the time? Oh, they're just so genuine, you know. They're, um, they're kind. They're, you know, it's just good to get into the mind of them. And um, they're all different, just like humans, they're all different. And uh, once you get into the mind and get one working properly and uh, get a few wins out of it, uh, especially the, the ones that are a bit hard to get through to early, it's a um, nice, pleasing result.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it is very interesting to see how, you know, um, that, that love of the horse. <laughs> Uh, can, can filter through. So you, you're you obviously growing up, at what stage in, in did you decide to jump into horse racing? Was it was it early doors or did you go and do another career before training? Uh,
1: you no, know, I was actually down the waterfront in Sydney for 20 years and then got back to the horses after that. So that after 1994, went down to Middigong actually and we started down there at a place called Oakwood Stud with a great Casson family. They were okay. involved in breeding and Racing thoroughbreds, so we were down there for a fair while and then graduated up to yearling preparation at uh, Shillington Park. They were up at Arcadia. Uh, Belinda and John Pettigrew, they were that place and learned a lot through them um, with yearling preparation. Then we actually cut a long story short, and my wife and I went and opened our own business and we started spelling pre training for a lot of the Sydney guys mm-hmm. and uh, graduated from there. On the training, we sort of got too busy with spelling and pre-training, although you're always busy now. But we had too many horses, and it was just taking a big toll on us with the spelling and pre-training. Mm. Yeah, so that was about it.
0: What, what made you make the move from the water to going to Minigong? What was the, the I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back? Oh,
1: it was just, just, just the timing, and, and the, everyone was sort of getting out of the waterfront. They had changing of the guards and uh, sort of, looking for a new career and go back to the horses. And uh, just one thing led to another, and we ended up in Middigong.
0: You're obviously
1: and That's a w- where I met my wife, actually.
0: Yeah, well, you're obviously, well, that that just shows you how, you know, you turn that corner and away you go. Uh, but it, 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 obviously, you're a wonderful horseman. So in that time that you were obviously uh, working on the water there, which is a long time, what, 23 years, were you still involved yeah. with racing or, or, or around horses, I'm presuming, at that during that time?
1: Yeah, still involved with the horses, Dave. We, um, we did a lot of horse riding actually down the south coast at um, near Kevin Robinson's place. We had a bit of a connection with Kevin and knew him pretty well when he was alive. And they were a great family, so we used to ride down Seven Mile Beach down there and uh, work the horses along the beach. There was a nice big school down there. We did the show jumping all with our mates from Balmain who were all pretty horsey people and uh, we used to go surfing and then horse riding.
0: Yeah, wow.
1: we sort of started, and it's a pretty good life in those early years.
0: We're chatting with Terry Evans this morning, of course. Uh, so your career goes, uh, the water there in Sydney, down to Middegong, and then obviously that opportunity, though, to go out on your own um, and obviously do uh, the pre-training, spelling, etc. with your wife. Um, how was that leap for you? And that was called JT Thoroughbreds, wasn't it?
1: That was, yeah, Dave. We, um, we sort of had a talk about it for a while my wife Julie, she was, she's a intensive care nurse but she's also a great horse nutritionist so that's what we thought we'd combine our efforts and see that all the diets for all the horses that came out of the stables in Sydney and and they are all going back and we thought uh, this is pretty good. They're all winning races, most of the ones we had and uh, we had a few nice horses up there. I remember riding Turredo at one stage and I came come back to Julie after riding and I said, this is a, the best horse I've ever ridden. It's got a V8 motor in it, Turredo. And he was down in Melbourne, Gary Fraser had him down there and he actually went across the crossing, I think, he fractured his pelvis. And they brought him back to us in the back of a float from Melbourne and we recuperated and got him going. I think he won a big race in Sydney, might have been the chairman's. I think it was something like that and, um, yeah, that was a big thrill.
0: Yeah, it certainly would have been a big thrill. Yeah. Um, At what point did you decide to go into your own? Because obviously you had opportunities to work with some are Sydney's leading trainers. So you were picking up the training bug, I presume, over many, many years of being exposed to it. And then you decided, right, well, I can do this on my own right now.
1: Yeah, well, we, we sort of got a few nice results. And they, all, all the guys were happy that we were sending the horses back in good condition. They all were going on to win races. And sort of one thing led to another. And I said to my wife, you know, we sort of had 120 horses at that stage, still on pre train It was just too many. And, like, we started off with five. And we had eighty within three months at the Central Coast, and um, I said we might have a go ourselves. So I approached Johnny Varley, or well, firstly Donny Rob. I was registered under Donny Rob at Wyong, and got my ticket through Donny. And he's been a great assistance over the years. And Tom know knowing the F, just ringed Don up, and he's, he's got an answer for you. And, uh, and then I spoke to Johnny Varley, and we got a the license to train at Wyong originally, um, and then moved on to Gosford through Michael Beatty. Michael got us some boxes at Gosford and started there. And uh, just continued on from there and then finally moved to and We've been here 15 years.
0: What what, what made you go to Tuncarrie? Uh, was that just an opportunity oh, just you couldn't a, refuse?
1: Just an opportunity, yeah. We were heading to Port Macquarie one day and a mate of mine was here and they were building houses here and I said, look, we should have a look at the track. And so we went down to the track and there was no one here. And all the trainers had been basically moved on and there was some boxes there and I was talking to Gary McQuillan and he said you know they're available if you want them so I had the thought to think about it for 24 hours and went back home and said to my wife I think we should move and uh, she said no I'm not moving from here in simple case it's terrific you know mm. so we dragged her up here and we had a look at it and we actually went down to the break wall at Foster and the, the dolphins started jumping out of the water, and she's a, an animal person, so she saw those dolphins jump out of the water and said, that's it, i am moving. Let's go, you know. So we moved sort of within a month. And wow. we were here and uh, bought a property, and everything happened pretty quick 15 years ago, and we're going look back. It's a great part of the world.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. I'm looking forward to getting there later in the week. We're chatting with Terry Evans this morning on Monday's Experts. Terry, was it difficult, though, when you were going from Gosford, which is obviously, you know, a good... Provincial track, um, and obviously close to Sydney, and obviously 15 years ago is a different landscape to now. But um, especially yeah. with prize money, was that a little bit difficult though for your business model to say that you were going to Tun Curry and therefore you had to, I guess, entice those owners that you know you were still going to have good results.
1: Yeah, no, it was it was a fairly difficult decision, but in the end, they, a lot of the owners sort of followed. And they were really obliging and long term owners, as you know, so many we can think of, and. Try our best to look after the owners first, and then um, make them feel sort of their number one. And then we look after their horses. And uh, long-term clients Kerry and Andy Chrysler, they have been breeding and running horses for years. They have a lot of city horses, and um, they've been our biggest supporter for the over the years. And you know, and uh, and I thank them and all our other owners—they've been great, you know. So they they sort of all decided to come up, and then a few of them have moved here and they bought units here and. Uh, it's all working good. Don't like get me wrong, it was pretty tough in the beginning, but uh, at Tung Carry, the facilities weren't the best. But the track's improving all the time now that Racing New South well, Wales on the track. We're getting a a bit done to it. The sand track and racing surface on the A-grass is beautiful. We've got a great curator now, but it was tough over the years trying mm-hmm. to work horses on you know, average surfaces, but um, it's all coming together now.
0: And oh, I guess tell us about those upgrades because of people that, uh, you know, tune in on, on Sunday and obviously ha- have a look at, at what the races are like. I mean, uh, how far has that track come and that infrastructure? But
1: unbelievably uh, high level now. That the course proper is in pristine condition. Uh, Luke Spicer, he's the curator. He's doing a great job. Um, they'll notice the grass cover lock. It's from inside rail to the outside rail and Sunday, yeah, it's in great condition. And uh, it's just the training facilities aren't 100%, but they're on the improved thanks to Racing USA Wales. Well. Scott Kennedy and his team are gradually trying to get it together for us, and uh, it's all coming together nicely. I bought myself a treadmill, so we're, we've got the treadmill up and running, which takes a bit of pressure off the training surfaces because it probably couldn't take too many more than our horses working over at each State. Mm. Uh, yeah, no, it's come along good.
0: Terry, I want to take you back, uh, and it's probably something that you get asked about all the time, um, 2019, November, um, mm. you risked your life um, for your horses, your house, your possessions. Um, yep. Tell us about that day. Um, obviously, we knew about the fires that were ravaging um, the New South Wales mid-north coast. Yep. Um they came extremely close to your property, didn't
1: they? Yeah, they came too close for comfort, yeah. it's um, Even, like, talking about it again, you get um, you know, emotional about it again, you know. It was right at our front door at the home, and also was right next to the stables at the track, you know. So, um, just horrific. Uh, if it wasn't for the uh, bushfire brigade, you know, the volunteers, I think the whole place would have been blown up, you know, with a explosions of the flames and the trees coming down mm. uh, yeah, it, it was a pretty ordinary time
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you for talking about it The that day did. can you talk us through the afternoon because I've heard in other conversations you had at the time with others that it not that it took you by surprise because you know there had been sort of you know chat that things were going to get worse and the fire possibly yeah. was going to come but it was the intensity of it wasn't it um, it was like a, like oh. a firestorm
1: Unbelievable, look, it was at the track first and then two weeks later we got it home but look, at the track it was manageable. The the bushfire would go, they came in and they knew exactly what was going to happen. It was going to come up right next to the stable so they had to move the horses out, put them in the middle of the track and just let them run loose in there and um, we fed them and there was plenty of water with the dam in the middle of the track Um, and they came in, they did a little bit of back burning, but the flames were up like 120, 130 feet in the air as high as the tree line behind the stables and they gradually sort of got all that cleared and then two weeks later we got it home and it was you know, twice as bad. We were sitting on the veranda, cleaned all the gutters out and wet the roof and filled all the gutters full of water and you could see that coming from Hillville it came straight across to the top of the mountainside from two angles and jumped the freeway and it came round in behind the Rainbow Flat petrol station, never forget it and um, the guys came up with a big D7. They just cut a big firebreak through the middle of the property and went straight through the fences. And we had, I think we had 22 horses in there at one stage. And then we had to try and catch them because the guy didn't realise all the horses were in the one paddock with the flames. So we ended up getting them all hunted up into the front paddock, oh, a gee. small five-acre area.
0: So you're talking about the plane. You're talking about the plane, aren't you? No, we no. came in with a D7 tractor.
1: And oh, straight right. We through the, went through the fence and cut a firebreak to... To try and stop the flames coming through into the house, and um, yeah, then we got the all the horses herded into a small paddock in the front of the house, and um, the fire came down past us, either side of the house. And the fire brigade guy said, "I think we've beat it," you know. And then ten minutes later, the wind changed and it came back at us, and it just circled the house. And um, it was five o'clock I think in the evening. I was the last one to leave Rainbow Flat because everyone else had evacuated. And we left the horses because we couldn't get them out quick enough. Mm. And um, we headed back into Blackhead where they had a sort of a zone where everyone sort of met up. And we had to drive straight through the flames to get get in there. They were 120 feet high either side of the road. And we just thought we'd lost everything, horses, house, the lot. But for some reason, I don't know whether they bombed it from the air with the water and the choppers. And what well, we went back the next morning, the house was standing there blackened all the way around the house and it never touched it and there was chickens and cats still there and the horses were all in one paddock saved. so not sure how it happened but if it was the guys that dropped it from the air the water um, we need to thank them you know
0: that's and, extraordinary i mean do you, oh it's unbelievable that must have been the toughest 24 hours of your life
1: it was yeah but credit um Phil O'Brien from Racing South Wales and Peter Villani, they were on the phone within an hour of hearing that we'd lost our house. And Someone must have contacted them and anything we wanted, they just said, yell out and we'll get it for you. You know. Um, but thankfully, the house was still standing and then we rebuilt all the fencing and all sorts of stuff. The insurance covered most of it. Mm. And whatever was left that we'd lost, uh, Peter said, we'll cover it for you. So we can't thank them enough, and uh, never forget them for what they did to us. You know,
0: yeah, and that, to help us out. Yeah, yeah. and that's extraordinary uh, to hear that the horses. Um, gee, they're a clever animal, aren't they? They wouldn't know what was going yeah. on, and and uh, exactly. to to come back. I mean, look, it's funny. Um, you obviously would have loved driving down your your driveway and seeing your house there, but I'm tipping the first thing you would have looked at was that paddock.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Was the first thing, yes. Yeah. yeah. Also, and I delivered a foal the night before at two o'clock in the morning with the flames were there. So, yes, uh, is that
0: foal that racing? Was, uh, not as yet. <laughs> not yet. Have you got a name think, for um, it?
1: Not as yet. Uh, we tried to get Embers, but it was already taken. Yeah. I guess we thought it was a good name. Yeah. But um, we just call him Embers anyway. He's un- unnamed at this stage. Yeah.
0: We're chatting with Terry Evans this morning. Uh, Terry, uh, tell us about your stable at the moment. Obviously, every stable has you know rebuilding phases, and um, you yep. obviously had to rebuild. Um, and yep. it seems like you have got some nice horses.
1: We have Dave. Yeah, we've um, got a good connection with a few new clients or and older clients. Because um, I think Steve Hart, he's he's been a great assistance, a racing photographer in Sydney. Steve and Andrew Reichart, they've. Um, put a few horses together for us with connections in new zealand and we purchased five recently sort of in the last two years and uh, they've all turned out to be fairly nice horses um apart from the ones we bred and ones we bought you know over the time uh, so yeah things are ticking along nicely at the moment and we expect big things from the field they have all only had a couple of runs but um, they're all showing plenty of ability the ones we bought
0: We'll talk about it later in the week when we're in Toncurr on Thursday, but Terry, what about uh you know the the country championships qualifier? Have you got something that you can can try and get in that race and and try and win?
1: Yeah, well, we've got our know, big grey horse sir ravanelli he's he's sort of starting to mature he was a bit of a delinquent for a while, but he's um he's coming to hand nicely, he won nicely first up at Port Macquarie a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's come along good. Um, and Pa Ravion, she had her first go in the race last year and doesn't get much luck in a racing because there's not much of her. She's only a little thing, but she's all heart. And uh, I think she'll run a fairly big race uh, on the weekend if we can get her into it. Yeah. Which I think she should get in, yeah. But Sir Ravinelli, he's our star at the moment.
0: Number one, um, Sir. Right.
1: everything right yeah have you got a good young've
0: got a good young horse at uh, you know, in a couple of seasons time you think will be a country championships horse
1: well've got the, the filly that raced yesterday we've got a fairly big opinion of she's got no idea what she's doing it's called open circuit by shocking I probably may not the 1400 of the country championships might and suit her but she's what she showed even yesterday uh, she'll get up over 2000 eventually 2200 um, but she's going really good. Very happy with her. She's a very nice horse, um, and uh, nothing sort of in the youngest stage this time. But uh, another one, uh, Titanicus, he also raced yesterday at his third run. He'll get up over two thousand metres. He's another New Zealand horse. He's a nice horse mm. by Dalgar. Um, yeah, he he's um, nice. Um, yeah, but the other two are going really good. Paravion and Sir Ravenelli.
0: Do you do uh, the, the much breeding yourself? Are you still doing a lot of that, or are you looking to now buy these sort of ready to run horses?
1: We're probably steering away from the breeding now, Dave. We've still got like four foals at home and eight two year olds, and just taking a bit long to to get them to the track. And we thought we'd try another avenue, buy these horses from New Zealand out of the trials, and um, they've all shown ability in the trials. And uh, we thought we might go that way and. The cost saving is probably the biggest thing, and then we can get owners into the horses and get them to the races earlier than waiting on young horses.
0: Mm. I think it's it's uh, it's very exciting, mate. Um, Very very exciting that you know these things um, can develop and happen. And as I said, I'm really looking forward to getting up to that part of the world. Before I let you go, I always ask my guests this: (laughs) What would a young, or what would a Terry Evans say, to a 18-year-old Terry Evans if he saw him today? Uh,
1: if, if you're interested in horses, I suppose, get ready for working hard, head down, bum up, and you can go wherever you want to go. If they ride like, well, track work and go anywhere in the world, um, anywhere in Australia, and the racing industry probably doesn't suit everyone, but if you can get on and... Uh, work hard, and it'll take you anywhere you want to go. It's a terrific industry.
0: It certainly is. Terry Evans, I'll catch you later in the week, mate. Thanks for coming on Monday's Experts.
1: Pleasure, Dave.